Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. What's going on? Mark Grody with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score here with you until 10 o'clock how about it man I, I am I'm officially right now excited about what's going down at Wrigley Field tomorrow the the Wrigley 2.0 opener 100% capacity Cubs and Cardinals and the Cubs right now tied for first place in the National League Central they are deadlocked with the Milwaukee Brewers, the Brewers and Cubs right now, both 35 and 27. The Brewers beat the Reds today, seven to two. The St. Louis Cardinals, 32 and 30. They are three back of that first place pace being set by the Cubs and the Brewers, and it goes down tomorrow. Wrigley Field, Cubs, Cardinals, 120. Zach Zabin's pregame, 12:45, and then it's Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer after that with the call of the game. And the gauntlet update, they've got this three-game series against the Cardinals, again, starting tomorrow. It's the only day game of the series at Wrigley Field because they've got the Fox night game on Saturday, and then they've got the ESPN Sunday night game as well, which, as always, will create wonderful content for everybody in town (laughs) because of the A-Rod factor. And then after what should be just a, I I think it is appropriate to call it a, a hype, series against the Cardinals because of full fan capacity and then it is on to the New York Mets Cubs at the Mets for a four-game series the starting pitchers for tomorrow Kyle Hendricks seven and four with a 459 ERA against Johan uh, Oviedo who has a 525 ERA right now for the St. Louis Cardinals that said Ian Happ the Cubs starting center fielder a regular on the score and specifically on the Bernstein and Rahimi show. Let's listen to about 10 minutes of this before we bring in Les Grobstein to finish out the show tonight. I wanted to hear or bring this to you, this little chunk here, with Layla Rahimi asking the first question to Mr. Ian Happ. To call us on your off day is not just nice. It's uh, appreciated. I'm sure you guys got back from San Diego pretty late, but it was a happy flight. What's that feeling when you are on the team playing, you get the day off, and then you know you're facing the Cardinals coming up after taking two or three from the Padres on the West Coast? Yeah, that was a big way to end that road trip. You know, West Coast swings can be difficult. I know since I've been here, the Cubbies haven't had, even our best teams haven't had too much success on those West Coast swings. So um, to be able to go, you know, three to four in that trip and then obviously end on, on a high note, taking two out of three, 
um, winning another series and being able to head back to Chicago to a full capacity Wrigley Field. I'm feeling pretty good about the way we ended that road trip. So um, team was in a good good mood, good spirits. Got in late last night, but everyone now got to enjoy the off day and kind of regroup. Not just full capacity Wrigley Field. We were just talking about that. And having done this now for 26 years and remembering what that place can be like for a big weekend series against a, a, a longtime rival, Wrigley Field is going to be crackling this weekend. I hope some of these young guys, some of these, some people who have never experienced this, really understand the energy that is going to be there this weekend. Yeah, I think, you know, the weather being the way it's supposed to be um, should really help too. And there's not only young players, but there's coaches that have been here for two years now that haven't seen Wrigley like this at full capacity. Uh, so this will be their first go around with it too. So um, it'll be pretty cool to see everybody's reaction and kind of hear um, people talking about how loud it was. Cause it's going to be, um, it's going to be bonkers. And I hope Wrigleyville, I hope the whole, I hope the whole area is just, is just bumping, but the uh, Saturday Sunday night games a little bit different for a uh, Cubs Cards middle of the summer series. Oh, absolutely! And I think uh, according to your podcast, I know you said you never played shortstop, but you're getting a little closer. <laughs> Ended up at second base. What was that like for you? Uh, it was great to be back in the dirt. It's been uh, man, it's been a while since I played second base and. Um, you know, it just happened that I could help the team in that spot. Um, was able to take ground balls for a few days and kind of get my feet under me and uh, held my own out there. Didn't didn't do anything stupid, so that's that's always the goal. No, you made the defensive play of the game, at least according to the radio broadcast here on the score. They gave you the the, the play of the day for that little sliding stop. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate the. Uh, I think I made it look a little tougher than it was, but um, that's that's also part of it. Yeah, you got it. When you come into a new position. Um, you got to make the routine ones look tough so that you can uh, scale yourself a little bit. How about the throw in San Francisco, too? That was a dart. Did you know when it left your hand that that thing was true? Yeah, that was one of those ones that felt good coming out. Um, Kind of the perfect ball for me. The one hopper um, is the one that sets me up best to throw uh, and was able to let that one go. And, you know, Jay and I talked about that Posey scored in the first and on, or maybe the, maybe it was, yeah, it was first inning and, you know, Jay had a chance at him and the ball kind of ran on him just a hair. And we talked about it, not going to let that happen to us twice. So was able to, was able to cut him down and kind of keep the game where it was, which was ended up being a big deal in the end. Yeah. You Darvish's first time through the order yesterday was pretty much what we've seen out of him for, I'd say at this point calendar, the last two years, but to face him in San Diego, and he seems to be in a really comfortable and happy place. He's messing with Anthony Rizzo after the game on Twitter. He was messing with the writers a little bit, too, when he was here. What have you seen out of him, and what's it like now facing him on the other side, knowing what they're contending for in San Diego? Yeah, he's a, he's a guy who's not easy to face because he, he can attack you in so many different ways, uh, and he has. You know, he has a lot of pitches, but he also... Um, you know, having played with him uh, and watched him, obviously, you know that he has some different sequences that he likes to go to, but you just don't know exactly which one he's going to pick. Um, so that makes it a little bit difficult, just trying to think along with him and trying to figure out where he's going to go. Um, 
He is. He looks like he's super happy in a great spot. I thought him using Riz's walk-up song was hilarious. Um, he's I'm super happy for him. I mean, just an awesome guy to see his progress here in Chicago and, and what he did for us um, the last couple of years and, and carrying us and being just a, a workhorse. And, and uh, I think we all really appreciated that and are happy about how he's doing now and how, how happy he is and to, to still have Victor um, that battery is is awesome. I'm wondering what you're thinking about the current sort of national baseball story about the apparent pending crackdown on pitchers using substances. Because on the one hand, you're a hitter; that's your job. You get you get paid to hit. On the other hand, you're also a, a player and a player rep, and you're in, in a brotherhood with some of these pitchers. And I, I read uh, some piece of a, a data informed piece by Joe Sheehan. I, I, actually, I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll pass it along because I think you'd find it really interesting. It is him saying that yeah, offense is down in baseball, but it's not because of substances. The strikeout rate is too high and has been too high. But the primary reason why offense is down is hits and runs on contact. The ball is deadened. The ball isn't moving as well when it is hit. So it's independent of bat missing. That's the reason offense is down. And he contends that owners, that and what MLB is going to do is, is, is bang the drums here to demonize players, to say, oh, cheating players or players are outside the rules, to get public sentiment against players going into a negotiation. How do you deal with some of these, these the complex emotions and responsibilities that you have? Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, different issues floating right now. I think it's good. I'll start with substance abuse or the, the um, stuff on the ball. I, I think it's good that, that players are having conversations about it. I think it's good um, that some of the rules will be enforced. I mean, it's in the rule book. Um, it's not anything that's new. Um, and I think it's good that, that players um, are having honest conversations about the best way to move forward, uh, about making the game a little bit more clean and, and um, at least uh, having a little bit more clear um, rules about what is and what is not allowed. Um and the balls, I mean, we they told us coming into the season the balls were going to be a little bit more dead. Um, you know, if you're going for more offense uh, and, that, and and excitement, I don't know why they would deaden the balls. Um, but they did tell us coming into the season that they were going to be, I believe it was a little bit smaller. Seams are definitely higher um, and, and travel maybe five to ten feet less far. Um, and I know the conspiracy out there is that there's a lot of hitters coming onto the market and uh, a lot of big money hitters and that, um, you know, some keeping some of those numbers down makes sense. Now, <clears throat> that could or could not be true, but I know that guys, just as you feel the baseball, um, the seams are higher. And, and I think that pitchers should also um, take a, a little bit of an exception to that because we've had guys with blisters. You know, those seams are, are so high that guys trying to throw sliders and, and cutters, um, you know, whatever it is with their fingers on some of these seams, uh, they're, they're just, it, the hand isn't built to take that, especially when that's they're not the same baseball you've been throwing for a number of years. So um, I just hope that moving forward, there's more regulation, that there's a standard um, that we can use so that it stops changing every year. I know the, you know, all of my seasons, um, maybe not between 19 and 20, but 17 to 18 changed, um, 18 to 19 it changed. I don't know about 20, but now 21, the ball's changed. So um, there just has to be more consistency um, with, with the ball that's being put into play.
So if this is all changing midseason and we're hearing all these narratives and you mentioned the blisters, of course we're thinking about Albert Alsalai and what we just saw out of him and his blister problem. That that hits close to home. What's the yeah. recourse that players have or even the reporting that they can do to say the supplies that we have right now are, are affecting things in a negative way? Yeah, um, Albert had a blister. Um, you know, Jake Arrieta was out. For, for 10 days early in the season with the blister. Same thing, trying to throw his cutter and where his thumb uh, went on the seam. It just, the larger seams ripped it open. So, you know, it's something that we, and we don't want players and, and you know, our best pitchers going on the disabled list or the injured list because they are, are throwing a baseball that is different from what it's been in the past. And so, uh, like I said, I just think those some of those regulations need to be more uniform. Um, and we need to know going into every season what the baseball is going to look like, and, and it makes it more difficult on front offices um, to put together a team when they don't know exactly what baseball we're playing with because front offices will make decisions based on uh, what ball we're using, um, whether go get hitters or pitchers or, or how hitters are going to play. You know, there's guys that had a ton of success in some of those seasons where the ball flew five feet farther that you know, the homers turned to outs or the outs turned to homers. So to be able to kind of give those guys a little bit more freedom or, or clarity to, to go out and build a roster uh, makes a lot of sense, too. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. You know, average home run length, that's going to make a difference when the ball travels a certain amount of space on average. But when it comes to what we're talking about with the injuries, can you guys report things? Is there a process that you go through or maybe the front office goes through to say, hey, We've had a lot of blister problems, for example. This might be an issue right now. Is there something we can do? Yeah, I know it's something that can be talked about. I don't know that there's necessarily a recourse, but um, I know there was a, I don't know if it was 18 or there's another year where, where blisters were a big problem um, because of the change in the ball. And, and it's something that's voiced. Um, but, you know, in the moment, there, there's nothing that really can be changed. The ball's not going to be changed midseason. Um and and it's not gonna it's not gonna have a huge impact now, but it's something that guys just have to be aware of. And that's you know, as players, that's what we do. We continue to adapt um, to however the game's changing. Mm, that is Cub Center filler Ian Hap on six seventy the score with Bernstein and Rahimi today. And the word of the day, boys and girls, from that conversation, the word that I saw and then didn't stop seeing it, standardize uniformity the of everything of the like that's baseball that's one of baseball's problems the standardize the strike zone the standardize the the sticky stuff and what one is allowed to use when pitching pine tar for the batters that is standardized i think you never i don't think there's been a pine tar incident with a batter since george brett look it up kids um what if baseball stadiums decided to to standardize and there are you know baseball dimensions are the same in every ballpark i don't know it's like there just there's this needs to be this massive it's such a good word used by ian Hamp. there needs to be this massive standardizing of a lot of things in baseball and it can be tricky because things standardization could change from year to year based on rules that you may implement things as simple and or complicated as video review, which, you know, um, is something that is 
standardized, but it could change as well in in the future in terms of technology and in terms of what is reviewable and, hey, what is not. And that's all part of standardizing and uniformity, but I'm kind of getting away from the basics of this standardizing idea. Strike zone, sticky stuff, the damn baseball. Like, I just love it. And I've said it before, baseball, Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, if it needs a face, they cheated on their starting pitchers last year, their, their pitchers last year, by not regulating the baseball, allowing for it to be a juice baseball, which it was, and nobody did anything about it in baseball, and they knew it existed and may have even asked for it. So essentially, they're cheating on their pitchers. And now this year, they are telling their, they're telling their pitchers to stop cheating. <laughs> So it's just this beautiful back and forth between baseball and the players. And then, oh, by the way, new collective bargaining agreement is soon, too. So, there, you know, there just could be a strike to, to stop all of this peripheral nonsense and get us into good old-fashioned, when is baseball going to be played again? But that is that is down the road. And, man, I, I just... I just took this in all sorts of different directions just now. Wasn't necessarily expecting that to occur, but it did. And there's nothing we could do about it at this point. But one thing we can do, we can do is after a break, I am going to, it's time for transition, which means it's time for Les Grobstein. And if you have a question you would like to ask of Grobber, anything, anything, 312-644-6767. Again, 312-644-6767. But Grobber and I will chat next. We'll talk about the Cubs, the the Bears, I'd say the Sox, but they're playing right now. Um, Whatever. The Bulls. We'll see what comes up with Les Grobstein next on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Packers suck! I like this song. Well, let's go a little bit longer. You're running up that hill? Is that what this is? Yes, sir. Mark Grody. Yeah. See, and it studs. We vibe, man. We vibe with music. We do. Mark Grody back with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score that is producer Adam Studzinski, a.k.a. Studs. 
aka Trash Panda. He's actually only the Trash Panda on Saturdays when it's <laughs> only between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. on Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, it's a very specific window during which you transfer into Trash Panda. A Trash Panda is a raccoon, by the way. It's a long story. You got to listen Saturdays, 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. And I know that you listen midnight to 5 a.m every day on the score because one of the goats of our industry les grobstein holds it down midnight to five on score overnight every night what's going on grober hey mark what's going on indeed how are you nothing not i'm well hey i am uh what what a perfect opportunity here i am going to tomorrow i am leaving for a vacation i'm going to nashville I've never been to Nashville. Certainly oh, Music never City, USA. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty man. cool. You've been there? Oh, many times. I've seen uh, uh, both Northwestern and Notre Dame play against Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt Stadium down there. Uh-huh. And um, one time, the first time I saw the Bears play down there, they were playing against uh, the Tennessee Oilers. They had just moved from Houston. They hadn't mm. changed their name to the Titans yet. And that was at Vanderbilt Stadium. Then a couple of years later, uh, they got the new stadium there, and they changed the name to Titans. And I actually, uh, we went down there uh, when the Bears played in that uh, stadium, the uh, LP Stadium, for the first time ever. And that was one of the weirdest football games ever. The uh, Bears were trailing by three, and they got a field goal with about, uh, I don't know, 15 seconds left. So they forced overtime, and it went back and forth and back and forth, and finally... um, they punted the ball deep into Titan territory, and their quarterback, Billy Volick, was playing, mm, and yes. he dropped back into the end zone. He got hit, coughed up the football. Tennessee recovered. The Bears <laughs> fell on it, and it was a safety. So the Bears won by two points in overtime on a safety, and you just never, uh, you just never see that happen uh, in any kind of football game. But... Uh, a safety actually ended the football game, and the Bears won. That was the first time uh, we saw the Bears play in that new stadium. And there was probably a ton of Bears fans, I assume. Oh, there were quite a few, but uh, uh, that is a very, very well attended. I mean, I've also um, I was down there for a, a playoff game one time when the Titans were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. I covered that for the network. Uh-huh. The game ended, and then uh, the, the hockey arena is not that far from there at all. And uh, I happened to have a, uh, a Blackhawk pass, so I just walked in, and, and uh, nobody even checked me out. And so it's <laughs> oh, the last really? uh, two periods Should of that game. Because yeah, be careful, man. Chicago. You get in trouble for that, Grobber. You get in trouble. You do that now. Uh, I didn't then. Okay. I mean, no, if, 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 if I had some kind of a credential, and if they, if they didn't check me, uh, and then I got into the press box without any problem. Uh, you know, that's their problem, not mine, right? Right, I guess so. I mean, don't ask, don't tell. I mean, well, all like I know he... is got in there and uh, got into the press box, and you'll never believe who was sitting in there. It was Tony Amonti, who uh, was the oh, really? former Blackhawk. And, yeah, of course. Um, they were playing the Blackhawks the very next day in Chicago, and so uh, I mean, he was out injured. And he was uh, in Chicago as well, so it was kind of weird seeing him in that uh, hockey game in Nashville. By the way, the, the food down there is fantastic. 
Yeah. Well, and by the way, one other sports thing, and then, and then I want to hear more about the food. One of the, the most pivotal, pivotal, pivotal Blackhawks game in its franchise's history occurred there. The game where at Marion Hossa, I think it might have been, what, a first-round series where Marion Hossa gets the bad penalty, and then he jump, when his penalty was over, he jumps out of the box and scores the goal, and the Blackhawks ultimately got a dramatic That's not win. even the whole story there. The, uh, that's not, yeah, that's the abbreviated. The See, I, I was waiting goal. for you to jump in. I mean, you're just leaving me out here sweating, trying to tell the story. Go ahead, take over. The Titans were up by a goal with about a minute to play, and all they had to do, and there was a penalty against the Blackhawks, so the Titans also had a man advantage. No, and no, they the were Predators. told by their head coach, hey, we have enough goals, just don't do anything stupid. So the puck was uh, deep in the... Uh, Blackhawk zone, and all they had to do was just uh, keep it in the Blackhawk end and type it a run out. They didn't need to try to score a power play goal. All they had to do was run out the clock. Well, somebody got stupid, and uh, it was uh, it was Eret, who was a pretty good player, and he tried to tried to get cute, and he passed the puck from out from behind the Blackhawk net or behind the the Tennessee net, and what goes the other way, it gets stolen by. Uh, uh, Patrick Kane, and mm-hmm. he brings it all the way down, and he scores a shorthanded goal to tie the game oh, up. All they right. had to do was keep it down at the other end, and time would have run out. So they went to the uh, in, inside, and of course, Hosa was still in the box. The penalty expires to him in overtime, and when he comes out, they end up getting the uh, game-winning goal, and the place went nuts. And oh, then they, uh, you know, it, that not only tied up the series. Uh, when they uh, managed to get that uh, that that overtime goal, but then they won it. And that was a wasn't that the wasn't that a first round series? Uh, it was. Marty Erick yeah. uh, was a really good player, E-Rat. one of the best. Martin it was E-Rat, a very stupid right. stupid play that he came up with. More like Erat, right? Kinda. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So that was in Nashville. So uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of other significant. Chicago moments, in, and there's not a hell of a lot of them because that's obviously more of a college town in terms of sports. And Tennessee Titans, rel- same with Nashville, relative. Well, I don't know well, as far as the new. hockey team. You know, uh, uh, the the fans are pretty. pretty and by the way, they've be, really become Blackhawk haters down there. And Ooh, uh, I, the Hawks have owned them hat? for quite a while, but then the last time they ended up meeting in the playoffs, they got beat one to nothing in Game One at home. They didn't win a game. They ended up getting swept. And uh, I guarantee you that other than uh, maybe getting to the finals, which they did one time, uh, the Titan fans loved beating the Blackhawks in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been taunted at a a game or a venue like somebody just trying to, I guess what what is now commonly referred to as trolling, had, had... did anybody taunt you back in the day that you remember? Nah, they couldn't was... because I, they had no. I, I was almost always in the press box, and they had no no access to where I was at. Right. Well, I don't know why anybody would have. Well, I guess if there was Packers fans in attendance, they might taunt you. Put you enough or uh, alcohol you. in your body, I guess uh, anything could happen, right? <laughs> no, but I'm trying to think of what people in the audience get most angry about that you do or. What gets you angry, like the most angry? What teams? I know, like the Packers are obviously a huge trigger 
for you. Uh, the Packers are the the Dallas Cowboys, the Lakers, right? Down, down, down. Lakers going down. The Lakers trigger you, right? So how ha- now? That's no. Wrong. In '91, I when I was in LA for the three games, games uh, three, four, and five. During the uh, Hawks, I mean, the, during the Bulls down, and the down, Lakers down. series. Lakers going down. When oh I was God. down there for that. Uh, no, the, 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 the Bulls had already uh, tied the series up 1-1. And I know a lot of fans were pretty confident. They still had Magic Johnson. They had James Worthy. They had a very young player by the name of Lottie Divots and whatnot. Uh-huh. But the, uh, the Bulls uh, find, found themselves down by two points because Vladi Divets had uh, made a three-point play. They were down by one. He got a bucket and got fouled, made the free throw, and with two, uh, a two-point lead until the Bulls got it back. And uh, Jordan hit a shot at the buzzer to tie it and force overtime, and then Scottie Pippen and Jordan took over in overtime, and they won it. And then uh, the next game, game number four, the Bulls kind of blew them out. And... People around there, they had an idea that it was that Jordan was not going to lose that series. And oh, of course he it was did overtime. Not. I mean, after the after they won Game Two, it was like it's over. No, Game Three was it was tough game that went into overtime. No, no, no. I know, I know. Like I'm not saying the series wasn't tough beyond that. I'm saying it was over. Like even if they were going to be close games, it there was a new sheriff. In town, yeah, the you one know? win I that mean, the Lakers got, Game One at the stadium, uh, that they were up by two, and San Perkins bombs away a three-pointer, they win it, and then Jordan took a shot that went around and out that would have uh, put them back in front. The Lakers got the rebound, got fouled, made free throws, and they ended up winning that game. And a lot of people, especially a lot of national people, are saying, "Ah, that's it. They've got all the experience. The Bulls don't have experience of being in the finals, or whatever." It really didn't matter because um, that was the only game the Lakers would win in that series. Unbelievable. And, yeah, that was the start. And I think also one of the, the biggest moments of that series, besides a bunch of what, like the great the great switch of the hand move by Jordan in the series. That was in game two. Yeah. And um, also in game two, I believe, this is where I was getting to, wasn't that the series in which Phil Jackson said, "Hey, Scotty, gonna need you to guard Magic," and then it was again over. They switched it around. Well, no, Magic did score points against Scotty. No, but before. do you remember that? It was a yeah, big very moment. well. But for like, a while, uh, it kind of caught Magic Johnson off guard. Oh uh, yeah. Scotty was a couple of inches taller than Michael, and he was able to take full advantage of that whole situation. The crowd, of course, went nuts. Then when they got out to California for Game 3 in the Forum, uh, Magic was scoring a few points then as well. Yeah, but there was a, you're right, there was a shock factor, I think, like where it probably took a half for for Magic to kind of kind of get over the mental hurdle of, Jesus, they're putting this guy on me. Um, where, you know, which, I mean, made, made, made every little bit of sense. But it was like, great, now I've got maximum maximum effort meets maximum talents guarding me. And it did fluster Magic. Now, Magic was not 
at the peak of his powers at that point. You know what I mean? He was past. He was his still prime. pretty good though. But still pretty good, no doubt. I mean, still a year good, later, he, he was on the dream team. Yeah, he was. He just wasn't. You know, he wasn't peak. peak a year form. later, he had announced his retirement when they discovered uh, that he had uh, encountered that uh, virus. And, yeah. Uh, HIV. So he he didn't play, but then he came out of retirement to play with the dream team. He also came out of retirement to play in that All Star game in Orlando, even prior to that, and he was the MVP of the game. And um, he took turns at the end of that game guarding against uh, his good friend Isaiah Thomas and doing against Michael, and they went back and forth, and the crowd went nuts, and the MVP ended up being uh, Magic Johnson. Uh-huh. Um, all right, so the Lakers are a trigger of yours, but that was a good, healthy, positive, objective look at the Bulls and Magic Johnson and the Lakers in that time. Rank, okay, here's what I want you to do for me. Rank these Lakers in from from worst to best. Ready? Three of them. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson. Kobe was Shaq, of course. Yeah. By the way, the uh, Lakers... I uh, out. The Lakers illegally were able to acquire um, Shaquille O'Neal. That was a situation oh, where yeah. they, tam- what was they the, tampered. Was he was still the property of the Orlando Magic. And the Lakers wanted to get Shaquille O'Neal, of course, and the, the NBA wanted to get Shaquille O'Neal as well. And so they basically told Orlando, right. when Orlando was trying to fire a uh, uh, complaint for tampering, they said, uh, don't even bother. We're not going to do anything let it go, because we're not. You're not going to get ruled. And so they told him to let it go. And then later on in his life, <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal said that he regretted leaving Orlando to go to the Lakers. His oh last games with Orlando were all against the Bulls in the NBA Finals in '96. And that's when you started to kind of hate the Lakers, right? A little bit, yeah. yeah. But um, yep. I'll tell you what. When I was a lot younger, and the Lakers had Jerry West. Elgin Baylor, and then eventually they got Will Chamberlain, and they used to play the Celtics so many times, mm-hmm. and they almost never could beat them, whether it was with Russell and uh, some of the other great players they had, like John Hapwicek or whatever. Boston always had a way to beat them. And in 1969, the Celtics finished in fourth place in the East. The Lakers, they had uh, Will Chamberlain for the first time with Weston uh, uh, Gail Goodrich and whatnot. Baylor was hurt at that point. And in the NBA Finals, the home team won every game except till Game 7. And the Celtics, they seemed to get every bounce of the ball, every uh, thing late. And uh, there was a shot, I think, by Don Nelson. It hit the rim, went high in the oh air. Oh, my God. You and it played? went in the bucket. And yeah. uh, there were no three-point baskets in those days either, just two-point baskets. And uh, they got away with it. And I remember the game ended... They had a whole batch of uh, helium-filled balloons inside a net high above the place, and they were going to release them when they won the game. Of course, the uh, Lakers didn't win. And remember, Red Auerbach, after the game, he gets on TV and he starts screaming, they can, they can eat their balloons. You know, Red Auerbach was a great coach. Well, what a cocky SOB. What an absolute cocky. Everybody, that was, except that was not, uh, everybody that was not Celtic uh, uh, coaches or fans yeah. or whatever, Hated the guy's guts. 
wow. But he won, so you had to line up before him and put up with his crap. That's like and there was a lot of crap cost. to put up with. Yeah, it sounds like it. By the way, I'm a little flummoxed here. There's a text from the 630, and this is confirmed. That game was in Chicago, not Nashville. And I assume this texter is referring to the game we were talking about in the first round against the Predators, where Hosa ultimately comes out of the penalty Yeah, box that was in Chicago. That was at the United I Center. thought it was in Nashville, like at least just sitting here right now. No, I no, then they went back Nashville. to Nashville for the next game, and... Uh, the Hawks clobbered him in the next game, and they oh, ended they up moving did? out of the okay. second Man, round. Oh, they did? Okay, man. I yeah, that I don't have that, like right there. No, in I my, was at my that brain, game. Apparently. Oh no, I, I'm sure sure you were. That's that was the original genesis of the conversation that you were there, and I am going to Nashville tomorrow, and I was just looking to get a little bit. I wanted to hear what you thought of the city. And then you said you had a recommendation for me in Nashville in terms of where to go to. Not eat. a specific recommendation, but there there is ah. a uh, the walkway uh, that the arena is on, and it's right across the uh, the river. Uh, there's a wide river there, and on the other side is the LP Stadium where the uh, Titans play. But uh, no, it's it's not really walking distance, but it's about a I don't know about a three minute car ride from one place to the other. Along that area where the arena is, then the rest of it, it's kind of like a, a, a version of, Na- of Nashville's own version of Rush Street. That's what it's kind of like. It's really kind of cool. Okay. All kinds I of souvenir you. shops, everything, and the food down there is magnificent. Yeah, no, I've heard that. So I'm, yeah, I got like four days with which to work. So hopefully I will, uh, I'll be able to. Hey, uh, Grover, I got to take a break. You want, you got to go or you want to hang on uh, through the break and we do one more quick segment it's your call i can hang buddy. with you for another segment love you so much we're taking a break it's mark Rody and les grobstein on chicago sports radio 670 the score welcome back in on chicago sports radio 670 the score along with les grobstein I'm Mark Grody for a few more minutes. Grobber gearing up for his show, which will be midnight to 5 tonight, Thursday into the Friday. So final day of the week for you, Les. What what have we planned for this occasion tonight? Well, as we uh, go into the weekend, uh, the uh, Cubs and the Brewers are tied for first place. Milwaukee... um, they did come up with an easy 7-2. to two. Well, it wasn't easy until maybe the last few innings, but they came from behind and beat the Reds in Cincinnati 7-2. to two. Cincinnati was getting great starting pitching, and as they often do, their bullpen was awful, and the, the crew took advantage of it, and they won the game by a score of 7-2. to two. Cubs were off. They opened a big series with the Cardinals over the weekend. Of course, St. Louis... Uh, they've been awful of late, too, and with Flaherty, their best starting pitcher, out hurt, and he might be out for most of the rest of the season, if not all the rest of it, because of a, a problem uh, that he suffered. And he, he may not be able to pitch anymore. And that's ever since that injury came up, that team has pretty much uh, nosedived. The, um, Crazy. Uh, Cardinals were in first place, and they uh, really hit the wall, and the Cubs were able to take advantage so they're going to have 100% capacity allowed at Wrigley Field starting tomorrow. 
Uh-huh. And uh, there'll be some fans there wearing red, but it'll be pretty much a loud, boisterous uh, Cub crowd. White hey, Sox right gave... now. White Sox hey, are just a couple outs away from uh, winning over the Toronto Blue Jays after uh, Toronto beat them in the most recent meeting between the two clubs. Sox are leading by a score of 5-2. to two. And then uh, the Bears and Justin Field have uh, come to a deal, a four-year contract for $19 million. So the rookie quarterback, and uh, there's no guarantee, of course, that he'll play in the opener when they play the Rams in L.A. after the three exhibition games. But, um, you know, Andy Dalton's been pretty much uh, designated as the guy who will be their starting QB. And the Bulls' Kobe White, uh, of course, they have been out since the end of the regular season again. But uh, White has undergone shoulder surgery, and he will be reexamined in about four months. Hopefully he'll be okay by the time uh, they start the season this coming fall. That sucks, doesn't it? I mean, like... I'm unsure of what Kobe White ultimately is in the NBA, but he is just going into his third year. And to like lose that potential progress, there, there is a At least it's not a knee injury. No, no, you're absolutely right. But I'm saying whatever the four months. No, you're right. There are, there, are, there are worse things that could be happening than Kobe White probably not starting the season with the team, but around some point in time. But just relative to hoops, I mean, that sucks for him. Yeah, it does. And uh, I think they've realized he's not pretty much going to be a point guard, but a two guard. And one of the things they have to add between now and the start of next season is a point guard. But having a guy like Kobe White maybe be the sixth man of the year possibility. Remember, that's what Ben Gordon was when he was with the Bulls. He would come off the bench, and he was the sixth man of the year. And yeah. um, I don't know if he was ever the sixth man of the year, but when Steve Kerr played with the Bulls, he was a key guy off the bench for them too. So a right. guy like Kobe White, he can be a terrific player on a hopefully eventually winning team, which they're not yet. They're good. You know what he's like? He's like a guy like who came up as a starting pitcher, so to speak. And now they're finding out that Kobe White might be better off in the bullpen, so to like speak. Like Dennis Eckersley in, was with Oakland? Well, yeah, you have a specialty now, and your specialty is going to be coming in off the bullpen. You're going to be the sixth man. It's going to make you millions, and you're going to be talked about more now as a, as a real dude in the NBA. But you're not going to be the starting point guard anymore. Yeah, but he's still going to get a lot of starting time, as if he were a starting player. And I think uh, very important player that he's uh, a really good finisher. uh, No question, no question. He's a good kid too, by the way. Oh, I've never met him actually. I have not covered a Bulls game for. You'll be impressed when you do get a chance, which you will at some point. Yeah, no, he seems like like everything that I've heard and read about him, like he's got that part down. The part that he doesn't have down is being a dynamic playmaking point guard in the NBA. He's just not. I mean, we've all seen it. And, you know, you don't say, like, just after two years, like, give up on him. But it's getting close. It's getting close to no, that No, they're not point. getting close to giving up. I think that uh, no, I don't know, maybe uh, Arturus Kardashovich has different plans. Maybe he does. I don't know. Uh but I, I think that he is part of the Bulls' plans down the road. I don't oh, think absolutely up less less. I'm I'm saying he wouldn't be a starter going forward. You get it? Like he they'll bring somebody else in from the outside maybe, 
and even if he was healthy, he would not be a starter. Right? By the way, you Sox do win. They just ended the game on the south side. 5-2, ah. to they beat the Toronto Blue Jays. All right, well, now you have just all sorts of awesome stuff to talk about. Like you said, Cubs-Cardinals tomorrow. The White Sox have, have just won. And the Milwaukee Bucks, who looked like they were dead in the water, they got home and they jumped all over Brooklyn early. Then it turned out to be a hell of a game, and Milwaukee beat Brooklyn 86-83. So the Nets now lead two games to one. And by 86-83, that was... A legitimate score it wasn't one of those 135 to 134 games where nobody played any defense. Needless to say, both teams actually played some defense in this game. Les, you are gorgeous. Thank you so much for coming on like you do, and I'll be listening to you at midnight tonight, buddy. We'll be listening when uh, – are you on uh, with uh, on the WB Club uh, over the weekend? No, I'm going – remember, I'm going to Nashville. Oh, you're going to Nashville, so, so you will miss yeah, that too. It's guy by the name of Rick Camp will be – Working with Steve Rosenblum on Saturday. Well, I know Rick, Rick and he's, he, we worked with him many times as well. Have a yep, good, safe yep. trip down there to Music City, USA. And like I said, I think you'll enjoy it down there. It's a kind of a fun city. Thanks, Robert. Talk to you later. Thank you to everybody for listening, calling, texting. I certainly appreciate that. Thank you very much to Bruce Levine, Megan Montemurro, and Hub Arkish for coming on the show, and also Grover, Adam Stazinski for producing the show. I'm Mark Grody. I probably won't talk to you for like a week or so. I feel like I've, I've really gotten close to a lot of people out there getting to do some of these evenings. So it's, I'll talk to you like in a week, probably from the Bears. On Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. Talk to you later. Kudos, Elaine, on a job done. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t